0: Welcome to the Father Seekers Podcast. My name is Pastor Keith, and joining me as always, Pastor Barry Edgman. Pastor Barry Edgman, tell me about the Father Seekers Podcast. If anyone jumping in and this is being their first episode,
1: Yeah. what What, what, what do we have here? So here's Father Seekers. Here's what it's about. It's about guys who grew up with without a father, but now find themselves as a father and are sort of feeling their way through the, through the experience. Uh, when we don't have a reference point for how to do something, or we don't have markers or monuments that we can look back to about significant times in our lives, then, then we sort of, we miss out and we don't have a a reference point to look back to.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so that's the father seekers organization. Um, this particular, uh, faction of the organization is the podcast. Mm -hmm. So in this podcast, we, uh, we have a topic of discussion weekly, um, and, and then we just talk on it and we talk on it from our perspectives, not, not so much as like, uh, this is, this is what you have to do, but more on the perspective of this is what, this is how it helped us. Hmm. This is what we did. So yeah, this episode, uh, we're going to talk about a, a, an idea
1: you had and why don't you share the idea? Okay. The idea is this I've, have talked to well, lately. I don't know what it is, but I've been talking to lots of guys, uh, online, uh, zoom calls, in person. And, and actually we just had our, our guys retreat here at church. So I had a great opportunity to speak to a lot of them, but you know, one of the things that's happening right now with, with men, but to, to fine tune it with fatherless dads is, is the, the stress level or the, the momentary Paul talks about momentary trials or momentary afflictions that we go through. And the discussion with my friends has been, and a little bit about reviewing my own experiences, getting stuck in those momentary trials. Give me an example of momentary trial. Be- being frozen in time. Well, for example, uh, I went through uh, a discussion the other day with one of my buddies, and he was talking about an experience with his, his ex-wife and how it was triggered or reignited by a conversation and he went back to the back to the the time that that it happened and just got stuck there he got stuck and then that that being stuck in that moment that triggered moment began to define his presence his present his present day his his attitude his how he looked forward into the future he got stuck he reverted back to a place and a position so for us sometimes as men we get we get either Triggered or stuck or depressed or set back or frustrated, and we look at the moment in which we're in as an end result, as a destiny, as as this is where we're going to be for the rest of our lives. It's just not true. So, uh, a specific intra- it like a specific incident in your
0: life, um, has stopped you. Has stopped you growing mm-hmm. uh, mentally slash spiritually slash slash emotionally, mm-hmm. and then now that moment. Is your excuse for how you how and why you act a certain way, and it is your scapegoat, uh, and it is your uh, definition of yourself. Yeah.
1: Well, it can be like like some guys just tend because I think we perish because we don't have the knowledge or the foresight to look forward and then to navigate through where we are. So guys just get stuck there and, for and, whatever reason. And so like
0: the the verbiage uh, once a cheater, always a cheater would be like defining an incident and making it be that that is who you are. When you very well, if you grow or get better, you can very well be a different human being, a different man. Um, But verbiage like that, like
1: once a, always a. Always a. So I talked to a guy the other day, he's a young guy and uh, uh, on the Enneagram, he's eight. And he prides himself on asking ridiculously microscopic, meaningless questions about things that have no weight or no no volume to them but he just enjoys and when i I said something to him he said well i'm an eight i just ask questions well here's the fact the enneagram is not meant to define you it's meant to to give you a picture of who you are and if you choose to pick one thing out of your life or out of this description of your life or to move forward if you choose to to believe one thing that a person has said about you and you get stuck with that one thing, then you begin to look at, well, this is, this is my destiny. So then I begin to live it out. And then I begin to get frustrated and you never have the ability to break out of that little shell, that little moment and look forward. I call it, I call it forward IQ, having the skill set and the ability to look forward in the future beyond where you're at right now. Yeah. So when I was a child,
0: my, uh, my father passed away when I was five years old, um, and that's not the highlight of the story. That's just I, I the the moment in time that defined me. Now he was a he was an alcoholic and an addict. Uh, he died drunk. Um, I grew up and I said, "I'm not I'm not going to be that. Mm-hmm. That's not going to, you know." Like I was almost in spite of. Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, I, I ended up being an addict and an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and the generational family curse wasn't wasn't broken because of his death, but his death, I definitely used as an excuse in my teens. Well, if my, if, if I had a dad, if I had, if he, did, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, um, I, I, w- I would revert back to that one incident and use it as an
1: excuse mm-hmm. and use it as a, uh, a position to not, it, it's it, to, it's called a modifier to not grow. It's called a modifier. We're modifying who we are, where we are, so that we don't have to do anything different. Mm-hmm. it's That's what it's called. And I did the same thing with my dad. I did the same identical thing with a couple of different things, a couple of different instances. But I did the same exact thing, and I found myself in my mid to late thirties living a reactionary life, not to be like him. And then as I got older and came. Uh, diagnosed with a critical illness. I was just like him. Yeah. So point being is that there's something about genetics. There's something about uh, physical and spiritual DNA, but there's also this thing of generational curses, things that pass from one generation to another. And And here's the reality. The reality is you can blow that off and you can say it's not true. Go ahead and call me later because you will, because it's true. And then the second piece of that is, if we don't, if we don't look, if we don't take a look at who we are, where we are, and why we're there right now, we will be stuck in that. I know, guys. I can take you back to the place I grew up, and I can show you guys that I went to high school with that have never matured more than two or three years beyond who we were then. Yeah. The reason why is not that they stayed home which I, for me, I would, I would have been dead had I stayed. But, but for them, they never grew past who they were when they were a certain place. And men do that, especially fatherless guys, because we carry with us a weight, a regret, a, a frustration, a hurt, unmet expectations. We're full of trauma. And if we don't address those things, we'll get stuck somewhere along the way in one of those traumatic instances, one of those traumatic pieces that not that we relive that particular instance or circumstance, but we live the the effectual uh, residual effect of what that did to us. And then we pass it on. Here's the danger about staying where we are is that that it was passed on to us and it was given to us. Who are we to think and why why can we think so arrogantly without thinking about it? How can we how can we think that we won't pass the same thing down to our kids?
0: Yeah, I I I think that uh pretty much everyone doesn't realize that like even if you don't realize it has become your parent. You know, your everyone has. If you haven't like the comments say like saying like, oh, and then I turned out to be just like my dad. Oh, I was I, I was watching the ball game and mm-hmm. I I I realized when I was forty-five years old, mm-hmm. you know, just generally stating mm-hmm. that, oh my gosh, I'm watching it just like my father. Yep. Just like, you know, women, yep. just like my mother. You know, I didn't I didn't want to be my mom, but the mm-hmm. when when kids started showing up, I realized I was slapping mm-hmm. their hands just mm-hmm. like my mom did. Yeah. And and not all that's bad. I mean, not all the the things that we are or become or be, or be became because of is it's not all bad. No, no, some are no. Yeah, sure. Like some, some, some are, and some need to be identified and corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, some things that were, where we come from the experiences we had, the nature versus nurture, uh, some of those things, they're, they're really good. They were have. good.
1: Like, and you make a bring, you bring a good point. Uh, uh, I'm going through this whole thing with my mom. She's in a a nursing home and, and, um, um, all uh, long story short, one of the things that I've been doing to just, just encourage her and, and be kind and love her and just reassure her that, that I love her is that, and it's been a healing process for me is that. When I went through journey to wholeness I found myself referring to to things that my parents said and did so I began to address that So one of the things I've been doing with my mom is sending her a thank you card two or three times a week I'll pick one thing and through that I've been going through pictures old family pictures and I, I you know the the the, the enemy pastor Sean, has been preaching some some knockout punches on spiritual warfare but I've been looking at some family pictures, and I, I looked at several of them, and I thought, you know, that was a good time. It was not all bad, to your point. But then, as I began to send my mom these thank you notes, I would find one of those good memory pictures, and I would put it in there and thank her. Thanks, Mom, for, for this. And she's, she's got all these cards all over her room now. I know my sisters. Are, yeah, she's got them everywhere. They're stacked. But my point is, we tend to get stuck with the, the negative. Part of part of the enemy's trickery is to get us to focus on what's what's evil, what's negative, what's hurtful, what's damaging, the things that bring destruction to us or bring us separation with with our relationship with God. Yeah,
0: and I love that you said that. It that's not all bad, Mm-mm. you know. Even if your circumstance was was uh, not terrible. Um, or if it was terrible, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not all bad, um, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. give the, no matter how far down the scale, the, uh, the pain of being fatherless Mm -hmm. is, um, it's not an excuse to not get
1: better. No. And, and, you know, Keith, we've talked about this off mic before, you know, if you don't know, you just don't know. And one of the things about being a good father, the first very number one thing about being a good father is to, first of all, be a good son. And if you never were a son to your father, here's the interesting thing about the original design, the way God created everything and the way he created divine order. Divine order in first and foremost part was that he transferred who he was and what he wanted and what he desired to his son. So he set an original design, a specific order of things. So now if we grew up fatherless, we had nothing, no father, our father who was intended and designed by God to pass on to us blessing and honor and direction and hope. And here's the way you do this and go this way and inheritance and push you forward. That was never passed down. So, so now we're digging around trying to find that void And all of these things have filled the father hunger void. God created father hunger. He created this void that only a father could fill. So when we find ourself in this place of momentary trials and affliction or or being distracted with, with troubles and trial, we can't get stuck there. We just can't. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is when Paul was writing to the Corinthians chapter four, verses one through 18. And he's talking about uh, treasure in, in clay vessels. He's talking about, about putting his presence in in earthen vessels, in people, in us. And, and one of the verses, like at the end of that passage, it says this, for our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal gro- glory that is far beyond comparison. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We just came out of this huge fast, and if anything happened to me in the fast, the things that I desired to pray for and listed to pray for, I prayed for those and God moved in each of those. But here's the here's the one thing he took me to. You can you can stare at what's what's happening right now in the natural, or you can look at it in the unseen world and you can begin to say, this is not about what's happening in front of me. It's about what's happening in me and what's happening in front of me will change when what's happening in me changes. So these momentary, uh, Paul
0: says momentary light afflictions, momentary light afflictions that we've made into mountains that have defined us and have essentially put a ceiling on the type of man that we can become mm-hmm. because of it. How do you, how do you, how would you break that mold then? I mean, it sounds like
1: something you don't really want in your life. Well, what do you do? Well, no, I, you know, there, there are things we, there's a laundry list of, of, of stuff. So let's put, let's wrap it with, with a, a one, one piece wrap of, Of what, what is it without giving the laundry list? What is it that is stealing your joy to pursue your purpose? Whatever that is, whatever that is, whatever that thing is, Paul calls it a momentary light affliction. Some of us look at it as a destiny. It defines us. It not only defines who we are now, but it defines who we are in the future. So whatever is, is, is hindering us or taking away from the way God designed us, whatever's stealing away our joy and pursuit of purpose, then, then that thing, that is a momentary light affliction. And God designed a plan to move us out of that and beyond that. So how does someone find the plan? The first, the first movement to that is to begin to say, to assess who is it that I understand myself to be? What Who do I want to be? What is my purpose in life? We've had quite a bit of discussion about purpose off mic. Mm -hmm. And purpose is a broad, it's a broad, broad, deep water subject. But if we were to define it in one sentence, the one sentence would be, what did God create me to be And to do that, that defines our purpose. So the first, the first piece, the first movement is what did God, who did he design me to be? And what did he design me to do? When you begin to dig in those waters and those, those caves and begin to figure out, we can assess very quickly where we are and where we want to go one of the problems I had with this issue was that I was unsettled a while back, and I had to begin begin to see and to look and to try to identify what is it that that God has called me to do? What are the things that he's designed me for?
0: So you identify your calling, your purpose, but you still have these tendencies, these Negative self-talk mm-hmm. um, how does how do you reposition reprogram yourself from there?
1: I think that we tend to listen to self-talk and negative talk from ourselves and from others because of because of what they observe or how they knew us in the past. i think I think that we have to determine to redefine our identity by understanding who we are in Christ. That's the first step. If if I'm still trying to 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 whitewash the tomb of who I am, I will never change. Who are you in Christ? Me. My identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is I have identified myself. I pursue his plan and his lifestyle and his action. Which means in short a surrender of who and what I want to do and who I want to be. What's interesting is that Jesus made it really crystal clear and he made it very, very interesting. Take up your cross, follow me daily. Moment by moment, pursue me. Now, again, a general statement. But then we've got to look at what, what did... What did God gift me to do? What did He design me to do? He designed Aaron Rodgers to throw touchdowns. He he designed he designed uh uh Devontae Adams to catch Aaron Rodgers touchdown passes. So and so this is a, a, side, a side
0: question. Is that is that their purpose? Or is the purpose more?
1: No that's what who they, what they do is not who they are, mm-hmm. and we've got to understand that what I do is not who I am. Men get that all twisted. Yeah, right. Jesus said, "Be like me, but this is what I want you to do." And this is the gift I gave you. What he wanted us to do was to be fishers of men. That's what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. but he gave us giftings and callings to do that. So understanding our gifting, and co- here's here's the thing that I talked to guys. I had a conversation last night with four guys on the phone, on a Zoom call. And we were talking about how three of the four were single. And we were talking about how trauma affected the way that we pursue the characteristics that we want in a, in a future mate. So, so if we are stuck in that, if we're stuck in that trauma, we're going to make fouled up and corrupted decisions based on trauma. But if I say I'm in Christ, when Jesus died and I came into relationship with him, I now am in Christ and Christ is in God. So my identity is in Jesus. My identity is in my father. So now all of my decisions and all of my forward looking and all of my decisions in the moment of right now are made based on my relationship with with my Father and with Jesus, and they're made based on His will for my life, not my desires or not my corrupted understanding and decision-making ability.
0: Okay. Um, do you think that these momentary
1: trials, um, wh- why do you think we get them so often? I think they're refining, man. I think they refine us. I think when when God chose to put his glory in, in the dirt that he used to create man, that's the whole meaning behind the earthen vessel. It's us. I think when he designed us to be that and to hold that, I think this whole process, this whole momentary affliction thing, I think two things. I think on the one side of the coin they're, they're a distraction. And on the other side of the coin, it's a filtration system. We can get stuck with the distraction side, or we can understand that it's a filtration piece in our lives. It's a, it's a place where we redefine. And one of the things about I'm finding with men over and over and over and again is that we are always trying to tweak stuff. We're always trying to fix stuff, make it better. Most of us, anyway. Some guys are just smart enough to go, if it's working, let it work. But we're always trying to fix this thing and try to tweak something. And when, when we understand that this momentary affliction is that opportunity to tweak or to make better, but it's, it's God's way of doing it. And it's not a definition piece. It's not an end row. It's, not, it's, it's a passageway, a doorway. It's not an end destination, end result. So trials are going to come every day mm-hmm. and that's,
0: you're not going to avoid that the The world's going to wrong you, but it's up to you and how you respond to mm-hmm. it. And I love in John Christ says, but take heart. I have overcome the world and trials are going to come. Mm-hmm. I've told you these things to give you peace. They're going to come, but take heart. They're just worldly and I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And what that tells me is lean in him. Mm hmm. The, you're going to have you're going to get wronged you're going to people are going to die people are going to leave you that's just normal life mm-hmm. that's that's what life cycles are mm-hmm. people come and people go jobs come jobs go but it's 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 not your responsibility in most of these instances but it is your responsibility with how you react in all of these instances it's like a continuous tr- tr- like test and trial You know, when you, when you, when you pass this test, they'll probably not retest you on it, but you'll get another one.
1: True. And from, again, referring to our weekend with, with the dudes from church. One of the ways that guys get stuck in the present, in the moment, and, and get stuck there for years, and then it becomes past, and then past begins to define future because you're stuck way back. One of the ways, the second way that um, first of all is identity, the second way is to have a group of men, community of men who who you can say are your guys. They're my guys.
0: Yeah. And to bounce ideas off of, to bounce it's
1: it's it's what you said during your session at the retreat is that if we God did not create us to be alone, he created us to to have a mate with a woman, but he also created man to have other men in their life to sharpen mm-hmm. their thinking and their relationships and the way that they move about in life mm-hmm. and and hold them accountable and 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 say you know when demons come and when you need somebody to sit with you and listen in this momentary or you need to celebrate and be joyous or you need somebody to stand with you and enjoy the baby that was just born. Those are the guys. If you don't have those guys, you get stuck here. Because when you're walking with a pack and you're walking with a group of guys who are sharp, most of them in your life, and, and most of them as, as it, the the opportunity passes around the circle, there's always going to be four or five strong ones in the group when you're weak that bring you along. And if you don't have that, then you're a lone wolf and you're stuck alone.
0: Yeah, it's, it's tough to it's tough to navigate this life by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tough to get a a medical doctrine without proper education Mm. and other Christ following men in your life are helping the educational portion of your life. Mm -hmm. The word is like your textbook and the people you surround yourself with are your classmates Mm -hmm. and, I, it's very difficult to become a better man without either one, and so if if you don't have a a a pocket of people like that, I you need to get one. Mm-hmm. It's and I know it's easier said than done in some no, si- situations, it's it's but true. you need to get one. It's true. These small trials, they're uh, they may feel pretty big right now, mm-hmm. but this too shall pass.
1: Yeah. It's,
0: it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. What, what, and I have this conversation with my own sons every once in a while, just as a reminder, uh, you know, where, where you are now does not define your future unless you want it to, unless you allow it to, because, because there's more, there's more there than what we're perceiving at the moment.
0: Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. I thank you for joining us for this episode of the Father Seekers Podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, you found some value in anything that was spoken and you think someone else could, would find that same value, uh, share this podcast on some social media platforms, share it with your friends via word of mouth. Um, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, uh, I would definitely recommend and, and suggest you following Uh, just click the follow button on whatever podcast provider you're listening to this through. Uh, That's so you just know when new episodes drop, um, you get the whole library so you can listen back to previous episodes and the the podcast would grow then. Uh, The more ears we get on this podcast, the more ultimately we're we're pointing people to, to God. We're pointing people to Jesus. So Yeah. Share and and follow the podcast the best you can. Uh, My name is Pastor Keith. Uh, Thank you again for listening to this episode. Pastor Barry, Mm -hmm. thank you as always. Yes, sir. And we look forward to hearing from you next week.